You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. Welcome to It's My Money. It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, and Brenthurst Wealth has been voted South Africa's top boutique wealth manager in both 2017 and 2020, and is consistently in the top three or four of that category. Now, a senior member of the Brenthurst Wealth team is with me now, and he's talking to us from Mauritius. It's Magnus Haystack. Magnus, um, I hope I haven't dragged you away from the beach. Yes, uh, uh, indeed you have, and uh, but I'll go back very soon. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. That's very good. Okay, everyone must watch out. I saw a tweet from you just a couple of days ago, and, you, and it sort of implied, you were asking the question, has the market bottomed? And when we talk about the market, we talk about the equity market. Were you saying, yes, it has, or were you inviting comments on that particular subject? It was a tweet of hope, you know, after a fairly couple of brutal months um, you know, the market looked like it's stabilizing. And we had one or two fairly well-known economists and commentators like Ed Jardini suggesting that maybe we've reached the bottom of the market. And, of course, that causes a big debate. Can it go further? Is it a, a bear market rally? But it seems to be holding up very nicely. Very nice recovery in tech stocks up 12% in July. And, yeah, so far it looks to be okay. When I saw that tweet, I suddenly had a look through a few of my graphs and I thought, well, what's been the main driver of the downside? And that is the price of money. And I noticed that uh, I think at one stage, the US 10-year Treasury bond yield got to something like 3.48%. It's now 2.53% as we pre-record this podcast. So it's almost as though people are saying, okay, that was that. We factored in the Fed. They are going to raise rates again. But on the other hand, looking forward, as central banks do by 12, 18 months or even two years ahead, maybe the worst of it is over. And therefore, money doesn't get more expensive and maybe even becomes cheaper again, which is fantastic for risky assets. That's one scenario, and I think you've described it fairly accurately. But I must remember, we're in a situation in the US in particular where where three your money is three or three and a half percent, but your inflation is at eight or nine percent. And and you know, where do investors go with their money to protect their capital? Because everything was sold off uh, the first half of the year and everybody was getting poorer. And at some point, you know, money will find, you know, a place to park or protect their cash. And I think it, it, it's going to be equities again because it wasn't gold, it wasn't Bitcoin, it wasn't property. And I think um, U.S. stocks in particular were starting to normalize, presenting fair value. And there was also some signs that maybe inflation perhaps is more transitory, as, as, as the U.S. Fed would like us to believe, and that the spike of, in the inflation rate could surprise us on the way down. And, and, and maybe that was driving the markets. It's just, you know, that was just my interpretation of markets. Okay, you mentioned tech stocks. Tech stocks, I won't say they're defensive, but they certainly seem to weather the sort of storm that we've had uh, recently. I mean, Netflix aside, they seem to weather the recent mini meltdown that we saw earlier in the year. They are terribly resilient because our habits don't change, whether we're relatively poorer than we were last year, than what we are now. You see what I mean? I'm not explaining it very succinctly, but there are certain sectors of the market that are made more equal than others. That's what I'm trying to say. 
Well, you're quite right. There were a lot of articles, you know, as the market was melting down, trying to draw comparisons to the tech meltdown in 2001, 2002, purely on technical patterns. But, you know, that was not the case. You know, 20 years ago, many of these tech companies made absolutely no money whatsoever. Yes. 20 years later, they are all making humongous amounts of money. So you don't have a problem where they're not making money. So I think the market kind of picked up that particularly the big mega trend tech stocks are making huge amounts of money and that they're representing fair value. And I think there was a bit of sanity that came back into the market. And that's why the, the broad-based large tech companies made a substantial rally in July. Okay, so what's your strategy now before we get on to South Africa? We've been talking about equity markets and risk assets in general, and we've been talking broadly about the price of money. But where do you stand now? I mean, you must have had money on the sidelines, and maybe that money is starting to be deployed. That's my theory with you at Brenthurst. Well, there were two variables that we were watching. One was the RAND, yeah. and of course, the second one was, was the markets, and that makes it much more difficult to get it right. We started telling our clients, especially the larger amounts of money, maybe the time is right to, to start buying RANDs. And that we started saying quite some time. Mm. Now we are starting to move money into the market. So it's a kind of a two-pronged strategy, hoping to get them both right at the same time. And that's normally you don't get that right. But you know, suddenly you see that that the the big global companies are looking cheap. It's just a question of how long can you wait? You can wait a bit longer, and then you wait for the RAND to strengthen, but then the tech stocks jump 10 15%, and that's exactly what happened in July. And that's always the debate with, with, with clients. Which of the two instruments do you think will react the fastest? Will it be the currency or will it be the offshore markets? We tend to favor the fact that you want to remove one uncertainty. It is the currency. Buy the dollars sooner rather than later because Iran is incredibly volatile both ways, up and down. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. We saw it last week. I mean, it jumped from 1640 to 17.30 literally in three days, and then it just bounced back to 16.40 again. So that's a very difficult call. So that's we've been buying dollars, but then when we get offshore, we start saying, what are we going to be buying with these assets? And strangely enough, we've been buying some tech stock. It's very interesting you talk about the currency because you mustn't be a currency trader when you're an equity investor. I've always thought that. I mean, the currency will do what it's going to do. The euro dollar, for example, went to par about six weeks ago. And it's now yeah, 102 and a half, 103, something like that. In other words, one euro buying you 102 and a half US dollars. But on the other hand, if the interest rate cycle is anticipated to have peaked in the United States, then the dollar will weaken and the rand might strengthen. But on the other hand, the South African economic situation is still fairly precarious. It's a very difficult call, Magnus. It's an extremely difficult call and the chances of getting it wrong is very high. And yes, that strategy of ours, which we've been following for about 12 years, you know, uh, Short ran long U.S. equities did bite us in the first six half of six months of the year, but you know it's starting to turn around and it'll it'll quickly reverse. We feel there's so many red lights flashing for the SA economy on so many fronts. We're talking about uh, which could impact on the dollar 
rand exchange rate. So it's, it's very difficult being a South African investment advisor because you're dealing with so many fast-moving parts, currencies, bonds, and interest rates and inflation rates. And it, it, it seems to me a lot of South African investors who don't follow the markets as we do, they're a little bit perplexed and even cases angry that they're not beating inflation rate as they used to. You know, inflation plus five was easy to do. Um, in the current environment, just matching inflation is quite an achievement considering the volatility because the market is almost trendless. The minute, one minute it's running in this direction, and when you start building a case for that direction, it turns around and goes the opposite direction, and and no portfolio can keep pace with the with the amount of zigzagging in the in the current market. So it's an extremely difficult market to read as an investment advisor. Yeah, diversification is always something that you and your colleagues have extolled the virtues of over the years. The other thing about uh, diversification is not just portfolio diversification, but also geographical diversification. In other words, where you live. Now, you are in Mauritius at the moment. You've had a presence in Mauritius. Brentus has had a presence in Mauritius for a long time. And when you got off the beach just before our chat, you probably went to the bar, got your customary lunchtime, um, <laughs> <laughs> your customary lunchtime mocktail, of course, you know, pineapple juice and uh, you yes, know, yes, that, yes, sort, that sort of yes. thing. Yeah. And probably the bloke or the woman next door to you was ordering a drink and there was a South African accent to your left or to your right. How many people from South Africa do you come across every day in Mauritius? And tell me the theory behind this whole thing. Well, there are two main areas in Mauritius where most South Africans gravitate towards. One is the north, the sort of the Grand Bay area. It's well known for its beautiful beaches, but it tends to be a bit busy and so on. And then the, mm. the, the, the southwest, the Black River, Cameroon area, the Bura Monaco, as they call it. <laughs> and here is a, a collection of South Africans like you cannot believe it. Post-COVID, they've all just rushed in and, and, and properties are scarce to buy, scarce to rent. There's lots of South Africans opening up businesses wherever you go. So the question is immigration or is very, very uppermost in mind. And I saw some stats released by Statistics South Africa over the weekend where it indicated that I think it's 45,000 South Africans have indicated that they are immigrating or would like to immigrate in the next couple of years. Now, a great number of them will go to Australia and New Zealand and the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, but some of those... Destinations have become extremely expensive by virtue of the property prices there that have gone up. Canada is also a favorite, but Mauritius almost by default has become the most practical and the cheapest option for people wishing to emigrate but not entirely move across the globe and be on the other side of the world. So Mauritius has become very popular. And lastly, this has been supported by the Mauritian government who is encouraging South Africans to come and retire, come and live and work on the island. This working from home model, or working from everywhere model, fits perfectly into their plans. And that's what South Africans are doing. They're setting up businesses or little offices here in Mauritius. 
flying in and out twice a year and uh, and enjoying the fiscal benefits of such a move. So they're not physical businesses like a restaurant or a retail outlet or something like that. It's working from the, the working from home model. In other words, mainly financial services or IT or something like that. And as you say, being so close to South Africa that they can nip back and see their parents or their family or, or, or friends and still have the beauty of the island that you're currently inhabiting. Well, both. You're right. A lot of financial services companies, trust companies, tax consultants, IT consultants work here in, in, in Mauritius. But also many of the South African entrepreneurs have come here, open up restaurants. They kind of dominate the property sales market. You know, you've got your Seafs and your Sotheby's and your Pam Goldings mm-hmm. around every corner. I mean, in our local shopping center, we've got an APSA sign, a Salam sign, we've got a Pam Golding, we've got a Rawson's. You actually feel like you're in South Africa. So there's also <laughs> a lot of South Africans who come up and set up shops and they they tend to trade primarily with the with the expat community. And then you get the financial services. And lastly, a lot of people simply just retired. It's not as expensive as people think. I think the cost of living is just about on par with with South Africa for most items and, and some items are much much cheaper in Mauritius than in South Africa yeah at some stage it'll become too full and uh, South Africans will have to be almost there must be almost like a, a green card lottery because there is there won't be enough space there won't be enough properties for them but for now absolutely fine I don't know if I would like to go to somewhere where it's South Africa by the sea. I'd, li- I'd like occasionally to you know, meet someone who's who's a local, but uh, that's just me. You mentioned Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the UK. You didn't mention the Netherlands. I live in the Netherlands. I have two South African children. One is 25 and one is 28. They both want to come to the Netherlands, not because of me, uh, but because it's secure, it's well organised, it's got a thriving economy. And I don't want to go into that whole argument about where you should go, should you want to go, but I want to talk about your view on the fact that there's a, a drain. I won't say a brain drain. I would just say a taxpayer drain for the future. I mean, these kids are in their mid to late 20s. They're not going to be taxpayers in South Africa in three, four, five years' time. I find that very disturbing. It is disturbing. I could have mentioned the Netherlands because we've picked it up amongst our clients uh, Netherlands has become very popular and for the reasons that you've mentioned, law and order, it, it, it works and they're encouraging South Africans to come to Netherlands, especially in the IT sector and the creative businesses and so on. So yes, you could, you could add Netherlands to that. But you're right, it's the future, uh, I always say it's the current house buyer, property owner who would have bought mom and dad's property at some stage who's not there anymore. And of course, they would have set up businesses employ 10, 15, 20, maybe 100 people 20 or 30 years down the line. So that you can never measure. You can never calculate the loss to the fiscus. But it is starting to appear in tax SA's numbers that there's already a shrinkage of young taxpayers starting to happen. And if that moves through the system, what I mean by that is from the 20s to the 30s to the 40s and the 50s, it's just not going to be taxpayers. And that is, and I've, I've written and spoke about this for many, many years. Yeah. Our biggest exporter or product that we export is not iron ore or coal or manganese. It's our future taxpayers. 
Yeah. They go and they never come back. And in many cases, in your case, it might even be the, the same. They're not measured. They simply, the youngsters just pack up and go. They don't, there's nothing to report. They just go. And then we can't measure that loss. And the reason is you just mentioned it. Lots to think about. You've given us lots to chew upon. Magnus, thank you so much for your insight today. That's Magnus Haystack from Brentes Wealth. And that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brentes Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.